But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens with mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Welcome to Yeah Na Passaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And this week we are joined again by Jock Palferman. Thanks for coming on the show, Jock. G'day. Thanks for having me again. Jock, I guess just to begin with, we thought we'd have you on because next Tuesday is July 25, which was originally a day of solidarity with the one Jock Palferman, but I guess they realised what a scoundrel you were and they just changed it to the International Day of Solidarity with Anti-Fascist Prisoners. I'm <laughs> hoping you could you tell us a little bit about J25. Yeah, so it, it started by the Anarchist Black Cross in New York, which I think now is as an organization defunct there might there might be another abc new york i'm not sure but yeah the the original one that that was supporting me uh, disappeared and i don't really know who they are or or anything about them really i think we were just in communication by mail when i was in prison and yeah i can't really remember how it happened but they just declared it july 25th solidarity with freeman and then and then to make it more broader and not just obviously about one person it was it was then made to be about all anti-fascist prisoners and i think there are probably there's a couple of days um concentrating on anti-fascist prisoners as different organizations come and go and and different people get attention but yeah so the idea was obviously not to make it just about one person because obviously it's not about one person it's a it's a it's a it's a cause it's a movement internationally and there are lots of people in difficulties for fighting fascism for in many different ways medical prison death injuries legal problems financial so yeah so they made it into a broad and a day for anti-fascist prisoners specifically those who have gone to prison for fighting fascism and in those early years jock what kind of response did you receive around that time so my specific situation was really difficult because I was not a member of any left-wing organization. I didn't, I wasn't part of any club or society or, or political party. So I'd been traveling around Europe for two years before that fight and I was arrested. So one of the major problems I had when I was arrested was, was just trying to convince people that the actions were political to begin with. So when I was arrested, the, the Nazis and their supporters, whether they're Nazi or not, it doesn't matter, but they spent a lot of time, effort and money in um, reporting over and over again that it was a bar fight, that it was about a girl, that it was about something, that it was about football, that it was about soccer. So there was a lot of energy put into basically convincing people that something happened, anything happened other than the fact that these were neo-Nazis attacking people of different color, calling them racist words, and then me intervening. So, oh, there was even like a newspaper article that said that I was a drug addict looking for, looking for drugs. And I just started attacking random people in the street. So 
getting getting a just can just the act of connecting my name with anti-fascism was itself was a massive step forward in in the campaign around me and getting me out of prison and, and all that i was in prison maybe six years be- before the first anti-fascist bulgarian came to visit me in prison six seven years roughly and then probably eight years before there were enough anti-fascist people in bulgaria so like let's say three or four of them working together with me and then we started the bulgarian prisoners association together with their help specifically so it was really important getting the story out of what actually happened and the fact that it was an anti-fascist action and that i was in prison for fighting fascists and so on yeah so it was real it was really important and that was a major problem as well because the all the all the left wing in averted commas all the left wing in bulgaria were friends with the neo nazis and a lot of them still are to this day so the communists who are predominantly uh, right wing stalinists type people who are also they're also russian nationalists so they support putin and they support the nationalist aspirations of russia they were telling their their international connections that this was just a, a bar fight that this wasn't political don't get involved in it it's fine jock doesn't need your help and then the 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 the, the worst anarcho group was the federation of anarchists in bulgaria fab and they also were friends with the neo nazis one of the leaders specifically he's now joined the russian nationalists and they were also telling so they had these international networks with anarchists who were connected with anti-fascists with the broader anti-fascist movement and so the bulgarian fab was telling everybody no the neo-nazis were our friends and jock is the aggressor and jock's the bad guy yeah so so that narrative was very hard to get past and to and to get the the, the real story out and so mm. i was i was basically boycotted and embargoed by yeah, by and the anti-fascist movement internationally because of that. So I didn't have, I didn't have really any support from anywhere. And I think Andy, you also probably experienced a lot of that when you were probably discussing my case with people. And Andy was the first person to, and I've mentioned this before, but Andy was the first person to to just question publicly and say, "Oh, Jock was in a Jock was in progressive activist groups." And and the and this soccer club is infamous for being neo-Nazi and and, and politically motivated. I, ju- I wonder if there is more to this story than what the media is saying, and and then that created an explosion of debate on Andy's forum. And yeah, and but then I think even Andy would have had. Oh, you, I mean, you can you can speak for yourself, but you probably also had problems discussing my case with people who were just convinced that it was something else. Yeah, I mean, there had to be, the facts of the matter had to be established. But I think that, I guess, that can sometimes take time. And the only other thing I'd add is I suppose there was commentary coming from the Bulgarian consulate expressing an opinion about the case, which I thought was interesting and somewhat amusing. But I think... I also think that what happened happened, especially in Australia, in a context in which there was no real familiarity with fascism as a living, breathing movement and the possibility of a movement that stood against it. So I think that's kind of 
especially in the last few years, as the right has become more entrenched in power in various states, it's more possible to have those sorts of conversations. But they were more difficult then just to, as you say, introduce the idea that there was a political dimension to what happened and it's important to understand what happened through that prism and respond in kind. So I guess the other question I had in conjunction with that is that the attention from the outside, supportive attention from the outside, is intended to make um, prisoners' lives a little easier in these circumstances. I'm wondering if it had any um, positive benefits for you, knowing that there were people on the outside paying attention and and campaigning um, on your behalf. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it wasn't until that started happening that seven years later somebody in Bulgaria actually came and said, hey, can I help you with something? <laughs> like, So absolutely. And so that's one aspect. That, that was for me probably the most significant effect of all of that because then we were able to do so much together with those great people who did come forward despite the social pressure that that was against them because there was tremendous, like, Still to this day, the relationships and the organizations have not recovered from that, like jock, the jock split in Bulgaria from back in 2007, but more so around 2012 when, when some people started splitting away from the dictatorships of the anarchist and socialist groups and, and start thinking for themselves. And then, and for, to this day, you can, there's a pretty significant split. And it, and it's still it's still in a minor way, which is it's not really relevant really anymore. But even to this day, I was working with some anti-fascists to try to help organize and and brainstorm ideas for the anti-Lukov march, march demonstrations and actions. And and there are whole there was there's one there was one left wing, he's Marxist, and he. He just flat out said, "I'm not going to be. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be involved in in any of this if if Jock is involved." Mm. And when you ask him why, he won't he won't say why or anything. It's just people were so brainwashed that it, it, it comes to bound to very deep psychology where people dug their heels in so hard for so many years they don't want to admit how badly brainwashed they were and how wrong they were for so many years. So they just continue it and kind of double down on it. Mm. But it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a minority, but a, a vocal minority. And then there's a, the majority probably, they just deny that they ever, they just deny the history and, and just pretend it never happened and don't want to talk about it, mm. which I think is also a very Bulgarian thing as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very much part of the Bulgarian culture to hide those types of mistakes and, and the state does it and the police do it and the prisons do it and the politicians do it and people on the streets do it and neighbors do it nobody nobody wants to self-reflect on their actions and 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 what they've been saying and and then there's a minority who 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 said yeah we were taken for a ride and it was really bad what happened and we don't want it to happen again and that that's definitely a minority and I think I, I was in Greece as well, and the same thing happened there because the Greek organizations, the anarchists, they're so authoritarian. The anti-authoritarian groups are so authoritarian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the anti-authoritarian groups are so authoritarian that they follow directions and orders from other organizations without questioning them. 
at all. And that's what happened in my case. So when I went to Greece and started talking to so-called anti-authoritarians about what happened in Bulgaria, they were in such a state of shock that, and they were looking at each other and I could just see in their eyes, they were thinking, oh, we have to bury this. We have to cover this up and never talk about it because there were people arguing and basically the, the dominant, probably male, the dominant Greek men in the anarchist communities won the argument that they shouldn't be helping me. And the minority, the, the people who didn't have such a loud voice, they got drowned out. And then 12 years later, I'm there standing in front of them, telling them that they're wrong. Like, obviously not like the tree saying you're wrong, but explaining the whole thing from the horse's mouth. And they're like, oh, shit, this is really politically embarrassing because we, we've, we've kicked people out of our organizations. We've, we've called people traitors. We've done all these horrible things because they wanted to support Jock and we didn't. And now Jock's here and, oh, how embarrassing is that? Oh, we've got to cover this up. And, and yeah, it was shocking in Greece to see the same problems in Bulgaria in, replicated in Greece and, and how somebody who's a friend of 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 somebody was a friend of the dead Nazi. Uh-huh. And, 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 and I don't know anyone. I'm a complete foreigner. I have no political affiliations or connections with anybody. There's nobody to guarantee for me, which is – which is basically the complete opposite of anti-authoritarianism, whereby basically I needed to have some type of a passport or some type of a, some type of a tick from some authority that meant that my that what I said was correct and and not what the other person said. So it's it's he said he said one guy says I'm bad, I say I'm not, and they automatically pick his side against me because he's got the tick of the authority that he's the authentic voice and I'm not. It was just crazy for for those 13, 14 years even, even after prison, just experiencing this strange double talk that everyone was doing and, and all the awkward eyes going around the room, like looking at each other like, oh, shit. And so there was one, one anarchist, so-called anti-fascist, so-called anarchist in Bulgaria, and he... He was even too young when the fight happened, but he, because he was going to football games with soccer games with neo Nazis, he really dug his heels in over the jock situation. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until many years later, someone from Greece, a Bulgarian from Greece, came and saw him hanging out and, and being mates with a whole group of Nazis. And he wrote, he wrote publicly somewhere. Why is this guy who's leader of the who's a leader of the anti-fascist group in Bulgaria? Why is he hanging out with fascists? And then all the other people in the anti-fascist group who already knew everybody already knew this. We already knew. I knew. I was in prison and I knew that he was hanging out with fascists and that he was a fascist sympathizer. And and it wasn't until someone in Greece wrote about it on a public forum, and then all the Bulgarians in the anti-fascist Bulgarian group, they, they all go, oh, we didn't know. Oh, now we disassociate from him. We, we disown him. We didn't know. We didn't know, which was bullshit. They just did that when it became public. It, it, it's just like, it's really just like like a political party or, or, or a company, some scandal, some, some CEO has a scandal and then pretends he didn't know when it was public knowledge until it actually goes into a newspaper or on the TV. Yeah, and then and then and then when I was when I was talking many years later when I was talking to the to the people in Greece about this situation, they were all they all got very quiet and they said, "Oh, we were wondering why he disappeared because he was the he was the main contact for 
so-called anti-fascist in Thessaloniki was a fascist sympathizer in Bulgaria. So there's some problems with anti-fascist organizing and that that may be one, but I guess when you think about it and and organization and activity by anti-fascists, what do you think um, is the most useful kind of work to be doing as an anti-fascist? Oh, yeah, that's a um, different subject. Um, I guess the answer is um, anything, <laughs> anything and everything um, that is possible. I think I think there are many way there are many things that we all do, which I think we know, like me and you, the the people here speaking now. There are many things we can do in our daily lives, just little stuff that I think contribute. I don't think you need to be going out into the front with a Kalashnikov to be considered an anti-fascist or doing anti-fascist activities, just standing up against racism in your workplace, at school, at parties, with friends and social situations. I think it's very bad that people, and this is kind of what actually got me into trouble, was because I wasn't part of a clique or a political, so-called political elite, I, I was kind of left out to dry. But I think it's very wrong that we should be that we separate ourselves and and form these little groups i think the most important thing is to be in the broader society and using using that and using our the respect people have for us as good people um to then um influence and explain to people not not the not any position of a movement but just your personal position that hey racism isn't cool for these reasons, or sexism isn't cool for these reasons, fascism isn't cool for these reasons. So I really think that's the most important thing, that we should just be living our lives, and then every day when something around us causes us to go, hang on, that doesn't sound right or does, that doesn't sound good, then we speak up against it and we talk about it and discuss it. And also I think what's really important is, and I think that's the most heavy form of anti-fascism is just bringing it into your daily life and, and with the people around you. And I think what's another thing also, I think, which I've noticed from a lot of people who consider themselves anti-fascist, they're very fast to snap and, and start swearing and, and going crazy at people who say fascist things. And I think, I think I've definitely had more success in, in just sitting down and speaking with people who do that. And I think nine times out of 10, it's ignorance. And just discussing it. Whereas if you go into attack mode and start badgering them, which a lot of us do, then then they just switch off and you don't get anywhere. And and the the, the ultimate goal is not to make you feel good or superior. The ultimate goal is um, to have them change for the better. So you've got to change the way you go about things in order to get that result. You don't want to just fly and start ranting and raving and 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 then have them not change or dig their heels in even deeper. Jock, the last time we spoke to you was about 18 months ago. I was wondering if you could give us an update on what's been going on in Bulgaria, I guess, broadly, politically, and perhaps also, I guess, on the left. There, yeah, well, there, that's pretty easy. There is no left in Bulgaria. <laughs> no. So that, that report finished. Drop the, <laughs> drop, the, drop the mic and walk away. So... The left left, and then the left became right, and the right became more right. Basically, that's the summary of what's happened in Bulgaria, and that's just the repeating cycle of what's been happening for the last 30 years. What can you tell of the attitude towards 
Russia's in invasion of Ukraine. So, yeah, so um, Bulgaria is very aggressively divided between pro-Russian nationalists who support Putin and fanatical, like, pro-American, like, generally people who hate a lot of things about Russia, like, to the point of racism. So it's kind of like dumb and dumber, the two, two, two sides of the same coin. And, like, so a lot of people... What I mean is, is that a lot of people who are who are, who are saying we should send weapons and military um, and go to war with Russia, they were saying this even before. So it's not for a lot of them. It's not so much. It's not. It's not a given that it's about defending from Russia. There's a lot of people who, like a lot of liberals and right wing people, who they consider Russia to be communist, even though obviously it's not. And also, there's like a lot of evan- evangelists. I call them crazy Christians who they also believe that this is like the end of days war between devils and demons and, and we have to go to war with Russia and things like that. So there's a lot of pushing on one side and then on the other side you've got another bunch of crazies who are who believe Putin is, is the second coming of Jesus and he's a saviour and he's gonna save us all from the horrible world of like social liberal the liberal social world of, of Western Europe and Western and and it's probably predominantly based on homophobia. So a lot of people who support Putin are doing it because they believe he's he's some Christian hero repressing the LGBT community. And and that's also like a problem in Bulgaria because Bulgaria considers itself a Slavic country and Orthodox Christian and so is Russia and so is Ukraine as well. But for those people who support Putin and Russia, they see it not as a Ukrainian-Russian war, but American and Russian. So they see America as the devil and the orthodox orthodox Christian Putin as the savior of Christendom. So yeah, there's a very there's there's probably five people in the whole country who are uh, between the Putinists and the pro-American people. It's very hard to find someone who will criticize both sides. Yeah, it's, so it's very polar, very polarized. Do you think either side has gained through the conflict or have they remained pretty much in place? Hard to know. The, the Russian nationalists, as I call them, the Russian nationalists have become more aggressive and, and probably they see themselves with more of an identity now that's kind of us versus them. So they've probably become stronger as a group. But I would say that they lost a lot of people. They lost a lot of support with the invasion because a lot of people also sympathize with the Ukrainians and for many reasons historically, but also because they see Bulgaria also as a small country being pushed around by a bigger country and and they didn't think that Putin would do this and how could they do it. And and also because Ukrainians are they're also, you know, Slavic Orthodox. So so probably the the Russian nationalist side of things probably has lost a lot of mainstream support and it's kind of more the radical people. And there's a lot of mental illness as well. And like there was one Orthodox Christian and Zelensky was in Bulgaria last week and uh, and he jumped out on the street towards the motorcade. You know, not he didn't have a weapon or anything, but he had a cross. <laughs> he had an Orthodox cross in his hand and he started shouting, Anatema, 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 or whatever it's called. If I remember the English word, I'm not pronouncing the Bulgarian one correctly. It's the it's the old Latin Greek word for the word heretical. 
So as as Zelensky's motorcade passed him, he was waiting for him with uh, orthodox icons and, and an orthodox cross, and he started shouting and waving, heretic, 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 you're a heretic, you're a heretic. Because, and the, the, the irony with all of this, I think, for the orthodox Christians is that so much of the church, of the orthodox church, was controlled by the KGB during the time of the communist parties. And so the Soviet Union basically took control of all the orthodox churches everywhere. And when the Soviet Union separated and the, other, and the Warsaw Pact countries separated, basically the, the, the KGB was greatly cut up, although not, not ended as was the situation with my case, but that was greatly dis- dissembled. But what wasn't were the orthodox churches. So, so ironically, what we're seeing now is that Russia has some centralized influence over orthodox churches all across the former Soviet and Warsaw Pact countries. And so a lot of Bulgarian Orthodox Christians and priests are highly sympathetic, if not outright, supporting Putin and, and, and that regime. Well, that's all we have time for on the radio, but we'll have a few more questions on the podcast, which you can find at 3cr.org.au slash Pesaran. If people want to check out the July 25 website, go to supportantifaprisoners.wordpress.com. You can find a lot more information, places to donate money and read about some of the anti-fascist prisoners behind bars. Thanks for joining us, Jock. Yeah, can I, I just go back to the J25 there, there is a shitload of, it doesn't get very much international attention at all, but there's a shitload of anti-fascist activists being sent to prison in Belarus. There were many in Russia, and it, it's probably harder for information to get out of Russia than to Belarus at the moment, but if everybody who's interested could check out the Anarchist Black Cross for Belarus. And I think part of the problem with communication is that they only write in Belarusian, and, but of course Facebook has a, an auto-translate section, but... Just there's a just a shitload of anti-fascist people being sent to prison in Belarus in the last year. So yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jock. All right, Andy, we'll be back next week. See you later. Speak to you then.
Six years I've been in prison. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully, it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here, and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 Need an extra layer for the cooler months? We've got great new long sleeve tops that proudly say Workers Radio. Available now online or at the station. Perfect for layering when you're out on the street. They'll have you picket line ready for winter. At $40, you'll get a great quality shirt ethically and locally manufactured by Qualitops in Reservoir. Order now and we'll post one out for $8.50. Or you can pick it up from the station. Buy one online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Or come into the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. 